Opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you're tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell, here on KCNR Radio, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. I want to discuss an issue that I often see in my office, and I will actually deal with it with clients as a therapeutic issue if it kind of goes into the excessive range, and that is the issue of profanity. So having a potty mouth. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I see it with clients at times where it actually becomes a therapeutic issue. It's affecting their relationships. It affects their communication. It's affecting their reputation, all kinds of things. So if it's so bad in my office when we're doing therapy that it distracts me, takes my attention, makes me really notice, I at times will bring it out as a therapeutic issue. And I'm not a prude. I can drop the F-bomb myself every once in a while, and I try to quell that. Uh, I definitely don't do it on the radio. My producer, Jared, will have his finger hovering over the seven-words-you-can't-say button, and I don't want that to happen. Um, but So I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not saying, oh, you're bad, or I'm not speaking you know, in that way. What I'm telling you is if you have a potty mouth, and you use profanity to excess, you are coloring your world in a way that you might not be aware of. So what we're going to talk about today is what is that all about? Why do people do it? What happens when you do it? I want to make it come way up in your consciousness so you're aware of it. And then on the last section of the show, I want to give you some ways to reduce using profanity as your main expression of your language. Now, some of you might go, F that, I don't care. I don't, I'm going to do what I want. Okay, this show might not be for you, but you might want to listen to it till the very end to decide if that is still the conclusion that you want to come to for your own life. So let's talk about profanity. Swearing tends to cluster around certain topics. You, you know this, but I'm going to put it into words. It clusters around sexual words and sexual things, bathroom stuff, Think in terms of, oh, shh, and oh, crap. That's one of the words I can say. I can't say the shh word, but I can say the crap word. Uh, It goes around religion, where you take God's name in vain. And it goes uh, around words that are attack words. You are a fill-in-the-blank. You are full of fill-in-the-blank. So it'll take some of those words and put them into your language to... Explain how you're trying to feel. We're going to go into that in more depth. First, I want to give you a couple examples. I'm going to share with you the very first time I can remember swearing. I was 10 years old, laying on a bed. My sister was sitting next to me, and she pushed me with her feet and pushed me off the bed, and I fell off. And I said, oh, shh. And I hear from the other room, my southern mama, and believe me, you do not swear in front of southern mamas. She's She yells out, Patricia Lee Young, you get in here right now. And I went, oh, no, I'm in deep something. 
And so I go in there, and I was in huge trouble. She made me brush my teeth with soap for five minutes. And it really stuck in my head that that was not a good word to say. I never heard my southern mama say a swear word until once when I was 16, and I heard her. And otherwise, she just never did that. So I was brought up that that was a bad thing for ladies to do, and it was a bad thing for anyone who had any kind of class to do. But i got to give you the cutest example. This, this is actually what made me start thinking about doing this show. I was working with Plato with my three-year-old grandson, and he's real quiet for a minute, and then he, he stops and he looks at me and he says, Grandma, if I say a bad word, you have to put me in time out. And I said, okay. And I said, but, but what are the bad words? So he gets real quiet. He's working with the Play-Doh for about a minute. And then he stops and looks at me and he says, okay, I'm going to tell you the bad words, but then I can never say them again. So I'm trying not to smile, of course. And, and so I said, so he starts to tell me the bad words. And these are the bad words that he couldn't say. Stupid, kill, shoot, poop, and boobs. Yeah, cracked me up too. And and then he says, but I don't need a timeout now. Anyway, it was so cute. But it started me thinking about what our kids hear. And then the really funny part was I was texting his mom and dad and telling them this story because he was staying with me for the day. And his dad writes back, when I started reading your text, I went, oh, no, oh, no, because those weren't the words I thought he was going to come up with, which is really profound, right? So it started me thinking about the propensity that we all have as people to use profanity as a main source of our communication. It just can really get in the way. Uh, I'll give you another example. I referred a couple that I couldn't see in therapy, a very extremely religious couple. I referred them to another therapist, and they called me back after one session and said, we're not going back there. And I said, well, what happened? They said, well, that therapist must have dropped the F-bomb like 15 times in that first session. And it was extremely offensive to them and felt unprofessional to them. So things like that happen, and it colors your feelings, your thoughts about a person, how you view them. Another reason that I deal with this, and I'm give you the reason I deal with it in therapy. I had a client who the F-word was used three and four times a sentence. It was a verb. It was a noun. It was an adverb. It was an adjective. And everything was the effingness and, and F him and um, I don't know what I was effing thinking. And he just went with it. And so finally, I, just, I found myself listening for it and not hearing what he was saying. So for about 10 minutes, I counted and counted 63 F-bombs in a, in a span of 10 minutes. And so I stopped him, and I said, look, we got to talk about something. And I told him what happened, and he goes, yeah, everybody says I do way too much F-bombing. And I said, well, you know, it's a real therapeutic issue. And I think it's actually a way that you are avoiding expressing who you are and how you feel. And so that's one of the reasons that we stopped to talk about it, because sometimes you are avoiding expressing how you really feel by dropping an expletive and trying to take the focus off your truth, whatever that is, and placing it on a swear word, which then gives you credibility or emphasis for your 
feelings, for your emotions. So let's look at the idea of what if you had to learn to express your emotions, stand in your truth, be yourself, have as much emphasis or excitement or anger or disgust as you want to have, but doing it in such a way that you actually have to communicate with words in the English language, not just drop the F-bomb or throw in some kind of swear word. It is harder than you think if you have gotten into the habit of swearing all the time. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was in college, for some reason, I can't remember why, I decided that I needed to stop swearing so much. Uh, I think I did something that embarrassed myself. And so I decided I was not going to swear at all. So I, I, it was very hard. So I came up with another word to say. And instead of saying, oh, S-H, whatever, or uh, swearing, we didn't drop the F-bomb much back then, but saying some bad word. What I started to say was, oh, piglets, which was kind of silly and ridiculous. And I got a lot of laughs over it. But I was trying not to swear. And I had to find a different way to express myself. Well, after a while, I started to feel so ridiculous saying, oh, piglets, that I had to find different words to express how I felt. And then that became a better habit than swearing. But it took quite a long time. You can listen to my podcast about making or breaking habits. And this might be a really good one for you to make or break. So what I want to do, we're going to go to break in a minute. But when I come back, I want to talk about more about why people use profanity instead of regular language and explore this a little bit. And then I want to talk about why should we care about whether we swear or not. And then in the last section, I want to talk about how you can learn to stop swearing so much if you step into this and think it's an important thing. So going to break. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell, listening to the beautiful Native American flute music of Randy McGinnis. Go to randymcginnis.com and check out all six of his CDs. They're absolutely gorgeous and all different, too. Okay, we're talking about profanity. We're talking about a potty mouth. And what I want you to recognize is why do people use profanity? We want to talk about this. The main reason I see people use profanity is they want it for emphasis. They want it to show emotion, that they feel strongly about something. So uh, let's break this down for a minute. I want you to think about these examples and which one is mostly you. What would you use most of the time? Okay, now I can't say the actual F-bomb, so pretend that I'm saying it. Okay, that is effing amazing. Or do you kind of try and soften a little bit? That is freaking amazing. Do you try to use more words? That is incredibly amazing. That is so amazing. Or that is amazing. Which one sounds like you? Stop to think, what would you say most often if you were excited about something that you thought was amazing? That will give you an insight into you. If you're the person who always says, that is effing amazing, I don't effing believe that, and you're dropping the F-bond as a noun, a verb, an adverb, a conjunction, an interjection, an auxiliary verb, an exclamation, 
are you using it in every grammatical form you can think of, and sometimes often in one sentence, or using the F-bomb as a total sentence? For example, F the effing effer. Think about that. We have all parts of the sentence in one word being used in different styles. So we use profanity to vent emotion. It's a catharsis. We use it for happy, sad, excited, angry, um, abhorrent thoughts, uh, can't stand something. We use it in all different types of things because we get to the point where profanity begins to immediately communicate our feelings. Are we feeling good? I'm effing happy. Are we feeling angry? I can't believe that effing. So we use it to explain how we feel and provide the emphasis that if we just said, I'm so angry, I'm so happy, in our heads might not feel as profound as if we throw in some profanity. Um, Think, too, that the, the word, the F word, it's usually the only thing that's ever called the F word, except for in my practice I say the F word is fine, which is effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. That's what I call the F word. But it comes from the German word flicken, which means to strike. So the F word is about hitting you between the eyeballs with how I feel or how you feel you want to express your emotions. So it's it's to immediately communicate our feelings. Many people feel that it is when somebody doesn't weigh and measure their words and they just throw out exactly how they feel, even if it includes a whole lot of profanity, that it's an honest expression of their thoughts or their feelings. Because if you filtered your speech and didn't allow yourself to swear, you might be just really weighing and measuring your words and not speaking your truth as much. So some people begin to see profanity as an honest expression. If he was willing to swear in front of his boss or in front of his child or her child, um, then he or she really felt that because otherwise they wouldn't have dropped the F-bomb in front of their three-year-old or they wouldn't have dropped the F-bomb in front of their boss. Okay. Now, here's the really interesting thing. People can have control. We exercise self-control when we want to make a good impression or we do not want to be seen as idiots or uneducated or foul-mouthed. For example, how many of you drop the F-bomb in front of your minister, in front of your grandmother, in front of your southern mama? Oh, no, 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 I did not do that. <laughs> even, even as old as I am, before my mom died, I didn't drop swear words in front of her because I would have gotten the, the finger lecture where she points her finger and shakes it at you. <laughs> Would you go to your child's parent-teacher conference conference, and say, my child's getting too much effing homework. No, you might feel your child's getting too much homework, but you probably wouldn't place the F-bomb in the middle of that sentence. Now, how would we feel if other people 
were swearing all the time. How would you feel if your kindergarten, your kindergartner's teacher was talking about the effing this or the effing that? You would probably be marching your tushy down to the school and getting in the kindergartner teacher's face, right? How would you feel if your medical doctor said to you, you have effing cancer? Well, that might be okay because that's kind of true. But what if your doctor used unprofessional language to describe something that you had? What if you went to meet with your financial advisor and he just had a real foul mouth? Would part of you be thinking, wow, you're not a very educated person or you wouldn't be using profanity in a professional setting. Same way as how would you feel if you walked into your financial advisor and he was wearing, you know, shorts and flip-flops and a dirty T-shirt and hadn't gotten a haircut and looked like his hygiene wasn't up to par. Part of you'd be going, hey, dude, you can't even keep your own act together. I don't want you dealing with my finances. So when we communicate with profanity, we give a certain impression that universally is considered you feel extremely emotional about something. You didn't have other language that you wanted to use. You might know how to use other language, but you didn't want to use that language. We want to convey that we're trying to be blatantly honest with how we feel by being willing to drop the F-bomb wherever we are. And so there's feelings around it, you guys. There's, there's an idea of who you are when you have to swear all the time. And in some cultures, it becomes, uh, it, it, they do, they just swear a lot. Think of the construction industry. Think of the military. When my daughter was in the Navy and she came home from the Navy, she dropped the F-bomb four or five times a sentence. And her father and I were not prudes and we could swear a little bit ourselves. But it was so bad that one day when she was marching down the hallway to go to the bathroom and she announced in a loud voice, I'm going to take an effing fill in the blank. We, I just, I broke. I went, that's enough. No more F-bomb. And she's like, what? Because in the Navy, on the ship, they all did it. It was their culture. It was what they did. And so when she came home, she had to relearn how not to swear. And it was profound to hear so much cussing at one time. So there are societies, there are groups of people that the F-bomb is just part of their language and they don't even notice if they do it. So you've got to take a look at your culture and where you get this from if you're somebody who swears all the time. Now, the other thing is people use it to make a statement in a short way. Like, for example, you read something on Facebook, and some of us will say, wow, or profound, or amazing, or uh, good to know that, or I don't agree with this at all. And then a lot of people will go, F that, no effing way. And their comment to what they agree or disagree with will include the F-bomb because they're trying to make a very strong point and, you know, put it out there. Let's look at the idea, too. I, I, I don't want to leave out the biblical reference. I'm um, a very spiritual person, not necessarily a organized religion person. But there are biblical references that cussing is a sin. Uh, Matthew 15.11 is one. Um, James 3.6. Ephesians 4.29. Uh, 
they all talk about how what goes it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person. It's what comes out of your mouth. So this has a great history of a long-term history that profanity defiles a person. So it, if that is important to you, you might want to check out those biblical references and read them. Even if you're not a churchgoer, you still might want to look at those and see if that speaks to you if you're trying to work on this issue. So we're looking at the idea of why do people use profanity? And why would you maybe not want to use profanity? Many people will say to me, I don't give an F what people think about me. I, I can say or do what I want. Okay, I get that. But at the same time, this person isn't going to swear in front of their grandmother, their minister, their first, gra- their first grader's teacher. Um, they're not going to get up and give a speech and drop the F-bomb every two sentences. Why not? If they firmly believe that they don't care what anybody thinks of their language, why would they control their language at certain times? To not be offensive to somebody? To not look like an idiot? To look more educated? Why? What would be the reason that they would control it? So if you're one of those people that say, I don't effing care what people think about me, but you recognize that you know when it's not appropriate to use profanity, then you do care what people think about you. And you do want to be socially acceptable or, you know, appropriate at certain times. Okay. When we come back, I'm going to go to break. I want to talk about why do we care so much or why should we care so much about how we use profanity. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we're talking about potty mouths, profanity, cussing, swearing. Why do people do it, and why should we care? And then if you do like listening to this show, you go, you know, I probably should take a look at my own potty mouth. I'm going to give you some ways to work on it. One thing I forgot to tell you in the last section is one of the reasons people swear is because it really speaks and stimulates both sides of your brain at one time. The left side of your brain is in charge of language, and the right side of your brain is in charge of emotion. So when you are feeling profound about something, anger, happiness, amazement, excitement, um, disgust, if you swear, you are using the language side of your brain and at the same time you're triggering the emotional side of your brain. So there's a certain amount of satisfaction that will overcome you neurologically from profanity. But there's other ways for us to get that. We can use expressive emotional words language-wise and still be stimulating the language and expressive emotion from the right side of the brain. It's just not as instant and huge as profanity. Okay, so why should we care about whether we swear too much or not? We're going to look at, break this down, look at the reasons. It tends to hinder communication. When you say, F that, 
or get the F out of here, or F you. You're not really explaining to somebody what you really think. You are using stilted, limited communication. And you're letting them assume what you mean by that. Like, for example, two guys are joking around, and one says something to one of them, and the other one goes, eh, eh, F off. Is he joking? Does he mean it? Is it passive-aggressive? Like, he sort of means it, but he's acting like he doesn't. You, When you use stilted, limited communication words, you leave the other person assuming what you mean. There are better ways to express ourselves with more complete emotion. Now, you don't necessarily have to be so vulnerable. Okay, you can say two manly men kind of talking, and one of them says something unacceptable or profound or stupid, and the other one wants to say, F off. Can you imagine him saying, wow, that really hurts my feelings when you say that. I, I think I just am losing respect for you. You can't really picture that, can you? But you can say, oh, get out of here. You don't have to necessarily say F off. And you don't have to look like you're being too vulnerable emotionally. So the, the choice isn't just swear or look ridiculous. It's trying to take a moment to express yourself in a way that is less profanity. Another reason we should think about what happens when we do too much swearing is that it offends many people. And now we can get back to that thing of I don't give an F what people think about me. But do you really want to offend people? Like, look at this whole mask issue. One of the reasons a lot of people wear a mask is simply not to upset other people. Not because they necessarily believe wearing a mask is what they would do if they were left on their own devices. But they don't want to upset COVID-fearful people. They don't want to accept little old ladies who ventured out to the grocery store and afraid that if you get with close to them and you don't have a mask on, you're going to get them ill. So they'll wear a mask so as not to offend somebody. It's kind of the same thing. We don't swear when we're in the middle of the grocery store. We don't swear uh, walking through our children's school. There are times we purposely control swearing because we don't want to offend people. And it isn't just religious people that you offend. You look at my southern mama. If if you drop the F-bomb, she would inside just be going, <gasps> So many people believe that profanity is a negative social behavior. They believe it's associated with uneducated people or people that don't have much class and are willing to put that out there. So whether you buy into that or not, I'm not saying you have to, and I'm not forming judgment on people. I'm giving you an opportunity to decide for yourself. And one way to do that is to take a look into your behavior and say, where do I let myself cuss? around all my construction worker friends or around my family or where do you cuss the most and where do you control profanity? So that's an insight into your behavior. As I, as I say often, a window into your soul. Okay, when we choose to use profanity over more communicative language, we create an immediate adversarial and charged atmosphere. Now, sometimes we might be charging that with humor. 
because sometimes when you say F that, you're saying it in a way that makes people laugh. But it's often adversarial. Many people use profanity when they're angry, upset, disgusted, and they want to make a huge point. So not using profanity can keep a situation becoming extremely adversarial or charged. If we use a lot of profanity in the home, we are teaching children a negative behavior that tends to reflect on their level of discipline. Now, sometimes children will very well know that if they drop the F-bomb at home, they get a timeout, or they use, like, my grandson's five words that he couldn't say, (laughs) he gets a timeout. They'll know that they shouldn't use those behaviors, and they will whip out those words when it is most suitable to them to make a scene. So when we use profanity in our everyday language, we are teaching our children a behavior. Sometimes we say it and say, don't say that. Tell, do as I say, not as I do, which is never the best lesson to teach. Sometimes we say it in front of children and say, oh, I'm sorry. Mommy said a swear word. That's a bad word. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. Sometimes our children will see us go off on somebody with swear words or go off on a situation. And then what we're teaching them is sometimes if you feel really, really, really strongly about something, you get to drop the F-bomb all over the place. So stop and think. The language that you use teaches your children a bunch of stuff, not just what words to use, but when it is okay to use very profound and very profane words. All right. The other reason that we should think about how much profanity we use is it can be extremely unprofessional. Like your child's teacher. Can you imagine teachers just dropping the F-bomb right and left? Uh, Can you imagine your minister doing a sermon and dropping the F-bomb? Can you imagine your financial advisor using that? So now let's put you into the professional situation. Let's say you're in a courtroom and you're an attorney. Will the judge let you get away with swearing? No. You could actually be held in contempt of court. How many judges do you hear drop the F-bomb when they're giving a sentence? If you are testifying as an expert witness, is it okay to swear because you feel very strongly? I mean, I'm an expert witness in sexual abuse, and I testify about um, deviant sexual behaviors. Is it okay for me to drop the F-bomb when I'm talking about an effing child molester? No. You can't do that in court because it's uncalled for not acceptable, unprofessional, and not very classy. And you're probably going to get in trouble in a courtroom because decorum and professionalism in a courtroom is very important. So it, so change that over to other professions. You're a doctor. You're a therapist. Um, you are a medical prof- professional, like you're an MA in an office and you take care of patients. Um, you're an x-ray tech. You're whatever. You're a producer on a radio show. (laughs) Do you get to drop the F-bomb all the time? No. You probably control yourself when you're in a professional atmosphere. If you don't, you might want to start to look at how unprofessional your behavior is. You know, it's, it's an important issue to look at because we can say that we don't care what other people think about us and that their effing opinion doesn't matter. But we know that it does when it's important to us. If you go out on a job interview 
Are you going to drop the F-bomb every two minutes? Even if you're a construction worker and you're going for a position as a plumber or as a foreman on a job or as a drywaller and you want to get the job and you're talking to the the general contractor and you want the bid, you're probably not going to drop the F-bomb every two seconds. And if he drops the F-bomb every two seconds, you're not going to flinch, you're not going to say anything, and you're not going to necessarily mimic his speech and drop the F-bomb too because you want to look like you have some couth, like you've got some class, like you can express yourself without being somebody who just swears all the time. So we know as people, mostly, that we know when it's okay to swear and when it's not okay to swear. And then look at that on a spectrum. There are people who never, ever, ever, ever say a bad word, and if they do, they're extremely embarrassed and they're upset and they have to do penance for it. Then there's people at the other end of the spectrum, like the client I was telling you about, who dropped it 63 times in 10 minutes. That is, you know, a huge spectrum of how much you use profanity. But we probably all can agree that in professional settings where you want to be thought of highly, you're not using profanity every two seconds. All right. And then there's, before we go to break, there's one other reason that you should think about why swearing or not swearing is an issue. Um, Somebody that I love very dearly said it in a very profound manner. He said, it is simply not necessary. So we're going to go to break. I come back. I want to talk to you about how to reduce some of the profanity in your life if it's what you've been doing. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay, and we're talking about potty mouths. So I want to You might have decided, you know, I've been meaning to work on this. I'm pretty bad at the potty mouth thing. And, yeah, my five-year-old dropped the F-bomb the other day, and I know where he got it. So I remember Rich and I, before he died, we had a little kid in our family that we had in the back seat. And so he's in his car seat, and all of a sudden we hear him drop the S-word. And we get back to his mom, and, and Rich says to Jen, I... I think I taught Justin the S word because he said it in his car seat. And Jennifer said, no, that would have been me that taught him that. (laughs) Rich was actually relieved. He did not want to be the guy who taught Justin the S word. Anyway, so why do we want to do this? We've discussed. So how do you reduce your profanity if you want to? So I've got a, a formula for you. Get out your pen and paper and write some of these down. The first thing you're going to do is just notice. This is the thing I ask people to do all the time in therapy. Don't change your behavior. I want you to spend this week until I see you again just noticing. So what you're going to do first, you're going to take a couple days or take a few days or a week, and you're going to notice how often you swear, where you swear the most, what swear words you use, when do you tend to use it, when you're angry, when you're excited, when you're surprised, when you're disgusted with something, when do you swear the most? And what are your choice swear words? Like, for example, I know people that will drop the F-bomb, but they won't take the Lord's name in vain. I know people that say frickin' all the time, and they say it so much that you know they're trying not to swear, but it doesn't really 
fit the bill. They're still swearing because you know they're just substituting frickin' for the other word. So I want you to notice, what are your patterns of profanity? Okay, what's your P-O-P, your patterns of profanity? Then, after that, what you're going to do is to try to go a couple of weeks with no swearing at all. Now, some of you are going, two weeks? I don't know if I can go two days. I don't know if I can do go two hours. Let me go for two minutes without swearing. You're going to pick a time, amount of time, and try to make it. Now, if you're addicted to swearing, we might be doing the Alcoholics Anonymous thing, and you're going to do one day at a time. So just for today, I'm going to not swear. That's fine. I want you to pick a span of time and not swear. You're going to use zero profanity. This will force you to use other words. You don't necessarily have to say, oh, piglets, but you can pick a word, okay? After a while, I didn't want to say any profanity substitute word, like frickin' is a profanity substitute word for the other F word. I started to not say, oh, piglets, because I kind of felt foolish, and I had to find other words that meant the same thing. Oh, real words. They actually exist in our vocabulary. So I found some real words. Okay, now we're going to work on aversion therapy. So you're, you're trying to find other words and more expressive ways to talk that are not profane. So there's a couple of things that really work. One form of aversion therapy that's pretty powerful is putting a thick rubber band on your wrist, like the kind that comes around produce, you know, that really kind of thick one, not the little thin one. Put that around your wrist, and every time you say a swear word, snap it. This is called aversion therapy, and this is where we associate a behavior, especially an undesirable behavior, with an unpleasant effect. So if you say a word, you're going to snap your wrist. That's to raise your consciousness, to make you aware, and also your, your brain is pretty smart, and it will start to avoid that which creates pain. So the aversion therapy approach is pretty cool. And people ask you what the rubber band's for, and you can share with them, and you can help educate them. The other thing that works, and this tends to work sometimes with little kids, and that's what we call the swear jar. You decorate a cute little jar or something, and anybody in the family that swears has to put, used to be when I was a kid, you had to put a quarter in the jar. But that's not enough anymore. It has to be like a dollar. And if it's a bunch of adults, it needs to be five bucks. It needs to hurt, all right? The problem with the swear jar is it doesn't travel with you. And it's hard to do for just yourself because you might decide to let off a string of expletives, pull out $2 and throw it in the swear jar and then just go at it. So the swear jar is, is kind of a cute thing to use with kids because it makes a difference to them to give up some of their money. But it just doesn't travel with you is what the usual thing is. So you want to have an adverse reaction from yourself when you use profanity. The next thing you can do, which is a challenge, because it will make you grow emotionally. It will make you expand who you are. And that is to attempt to learn how to stand in your truth with more accurate speech. You can go back to my podcast and listen to the podcast called Stand in Your Truth. It's one of the most popular, popular ones that I've done because I break down how do you 
Figure out what your truth is, and then how do you stand in it? So when you've read something on Facebook that makes you furious and you feel like you have to engage in it, how do you do that without just typing F that or F off? What is your truth, and how do you use accurate speech to convey what you feel? Now think about that. You have to be more developed to do that. You have to have impulse control. You have to develop your vocabulary for words that express your feelings. And you have to be willing to be vulnerable enough to state the real thing. For example, if you write a little blurb about how you truly feel about something, you're more vulnerable than if you just say, F that. Because people assume what you mean by F that, and you assume that they get your real meaning. But if you actually stand in your truth and say it in a way that communicates your true expression, you're more vulnerable. So how brave are you? You might say you're brave by saying, I don't effing care what people effing think about me, and you feel like you're brave. Maybe you use profanity all the time because you are afraid to be vulnerable. You're afraid to say what's truly on your heart or truly in your mind. Okay, so standing in your truth is a profound way to make yourself stop using profanity. The other thing is, before you speak, before you state how you're feeling, if you're upset about something, pretend that your southern mom is standing there. Pretend your grandma's there, your minister, your child's teacher, your boss, somebody you're going to interview with. Pretend somebody that you actually do care what they think about you is standing right in front of you. Because what's really interesting to me is most people can control their mouths. Not everybody, believe me, not everybody. But most people can control their mouths when they really have to. When it's going to have a negative consequence on them, on them, on them financially or with their respect or their standing in their job or their friendships or their community or their, you know, wherever they are trying to be, their reputation can matter to them. Okay, so pretending that you're standing in front of Buddy will help you back up and say it without being profane. Now, here's a really interesting concept. If you think of profanity like salt, a little sometimes can enhance. A lot ruins the dish that you're making. When what you're trying to create tastes only like salt, you lose all the subtleties of the flavor of something that is a beautiful dish. And most people that cook, even they just cook sort of, and then those who are incredible chefs, would never, ever ruin a dish with too much salt. So think of profanity as salt. Occasionally, you might want to drop a little bit into your speech, but not overuse it. Like there are times in a therapeutic session in my office that I will purposely drop the F-bomb. And I will do that to get someone's attention because usually since I don't swear much, they will go, huh? And it gets their attention. And they, it also speaks to, I must feel so strongly about what I'm saying to them that they really need to sit up and listen. And so I will do that on purpose and thoughtfully. But what I'm trying to do is throw a little salt in what I'm doing at the moment. So subtly, if you are a person who uses a little bit of profanity and you'd like to use even less, 
think of it as the salt. If you're somebody who drops it every other word constantly, and you notice that when you stop and look at your behavior for a week or two, the first thing you want to do is try and cut it in half. You want to go down to seeing if you can say a whole conversation with somebody without dropping the F-bomb in it. And see if you can begin to dial yourself back to break that habit. Because our world is a beautiful place. And sometimes when we color it with nasty comments or hateful words or opinions that don't really express how we feel, it just throws some garbage out into the room. We are changing the beauty of the world. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm being spiritual here, but it's one of the reasons why we should think about how much profanity we use and whether it is truly necessary. If you're having trouble breaking this, go to my podcast on making or breaking habits. It'll really help you define the habit-breaking scenario. And so to end this show, I want to do a quote from my favorite movie of all time, Gone with the Wind. Sometimes, frankly, my dear, I just don't give a damn. So this is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, where all I want to do is help heal the world one hour at a time. <laughs>